0: Face to Face Games proudly presents Grand Prix Toronto, the first Grand Prix featuring the Hour of Devastation Limited format, July 21st to 23rd. Come face pro players as they flex their muscles just one week before the Pro Tour. Every Grand Prix entry includes a sleep-in special and registered sealed pool for players with buys. Visit GP Toronto twenty seventeen to register and learn more.
1: Strike podcast is KYT with the full house. But before we start the show, just want to give a plug to our sponsor, facefacegames.com, the number one place to get your Magic the Gathering singles. This is our special countdown to GP Toronto episode. I want to start hyping it up, but uh, the rest of us is, are, are usually more competitive driven and sometimes like a lot of the times and for the past week i've been getting a lot of questions um from different players and different people that are going to their first gp and they're they're actually intimidated by not just the competitive aspect but just the the concept of the grand prix overall They they've emailed me or tweeted at me if they need to pay in to pay to get in if they need to pay just to play a side event or if their friend, they're like, they email me, hey, Cara, my friend's playing in the main event. Can I just come in and watch him? Do I have to pay money? So, a lot of um, misunderstandings and, and misconceptions, which I understand because when you go to comic conventions and, and all that, you have to pay a reasonable amount sometimes to get in, even to check out the different vendors. That's not the case for, for the Magic the Gathering GPs. And uh, I brought in a special guest with us, Courtney Pozzolo, who is going to be one of our featured cosplayers at GP Toronto. How's it going, Courtney?
2: Oh, that's going awesome.
1: All right. So for me, I just wanted to get you on here because, again, people are going to the GPs for the first time. They don't know really what to expect uh, if they, again, need to pay to get in to see the different artists, cosplayers, and vendors, and this year... And like last year, RGP, we didn't have any featured cosplays. We got three of them, and you're one of them. That's awesome.
2: And so what should people expect from, from you over the weekend? Oh, <laughs> for me, no pressure. <laughs> um, well, we've got a... Myself, Aaron, and Ashley have a pretty full schedule throughout the whole weekend. Uh, we have times where we'll be walking the floor, or there's actually a photo with me, can come up, no cost. Just come take pictures with us. Uh, it's pretty weird magic, um, and then uh, we'll also be help- we'll also be in the learn to play. Um, and so we're actually going to be helping teach magic as well to those who want to come in and learn. And like you said, um, at GPs, the event is free itself to enter. You can come check it out. You can um, see what everyone is doing, see how the playing goes, all the, there, I mean, there's so many different ways to play magic. You can come in on many different levels. So that's the fun part. And I believe we're also going to be showcasing some arch enemy as well in the learn to play. So that's pretty exciting. as well. Ooh, and sweet. then, oh, well, and then, I mean, we're also, uh, we're also going to take part in a couple of events ourselves in the evening. So we also get to take part in play.
1: That's awesome. And I read from your Facebook that you, you're deciding which prints to sell. So cosplayers will be bringing uh, – do they generally bring prints to sell? Is that how it usually works?
2: I don't know. This is my first <laughs> one being featured. So, Ooh. honestly, it was uh, it was a little intimidating. I, I personally haven't sold prints. I started as a cosplay photographer. So I'm used to being on the side of the camera where people are asking me, hey, can I sell your print? That's the side I'm used to. but. um No, this was really neat where they said we'd have a booth and we could sell prints. And I was like, I haven't before. I've got some really nice shots of some previous cosplays like Archangel of Todd, Sarah Avenger, uh, Liliana, that I was like, you know what? Yeah, I want to showcase the photographers as well that worked with me with those photos. So, um, yeah, so I've got I'll be bringing some. I know Ashley will be bringing some. Hopefully Aaron does, too. Uh, So there is going to be opportunities where we can sign or you can buy prints and that kind of stuff. So.
1: Is, did you say this is one of your first events being a a, a featured cosplayer, or if not the first?
2: Uh, the 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 first that I'm a featured cosplayer. Um, this is my second official GP. I went to GP Portland and was a part of the Planeswalker. Um, uh, oh my gosh, I just forgot the name. Where <laughs> there were twenty six, there were twenty six cosplayers. It was the largest group of Magic cosplayers at a gp event um wow. and that was uh that was amazing i mean i was dressed up as kiora so that was a fun challenge and then just standing there and being in amongst 25 other people and i'm like the place workers are alive um <laughs> they, they just they brought them all to life it was so amazing we were all just in awe with each other and just the mass amounts of us it was really great undertaking. Um, uh, by MJ Scott, and uh, she was the, the leader and um, the main Liliana of that group. So it was, So that was my first GP, but I've also been to PAX Prime, uh, two years running, and last year I was actually a part of Teaching Magic. So I've been at a few different magic events. So.
1: Well, that, that's awesome. I can't, I can't wait to see you this Friday. I've seen you tweet some, some prep. Uh, is there a specific cosplay you're really excited to showcase? <laughs>
2: Oh, yeah, and super nervous about it, too, and hopefully it holds up. I'm hoping to wear it two days. Uh, I will be showcasing Nicobolis um, with articulating wings. So that's nerve-wracking because I just moved from British Columbia, and I'm all the way out now in New Brunswick, and so we, I had to move. I couldn't even finish the wings before I left. So now I'm in this uh, in a tiny little temporary place that I'm trying to get it all together now. So it's uh it's pretty exciting
1: all right um doug any any questions from me my...
3: yeah i, I <laughs> guess my only question for you is um when did you start cosplaying uh like just in your life like when did you decide that you wanted to do this and kind of how did it turn into magic cosplay because i mean maybe it always started as magic for for a lot of cosplayers it started as something else and it evolved into magic so how did that kind of happen for you
2: Um, I think for just growing up in general, my mom was the type where I started planning for Halloween six months in advance because she was really creative and I could think of anything and she would be able to put it together and make my dream come true kind of idea. Some really weird creative things. I was Indiana Jones at five years old. I even had the five o'clock shadow. It was nice. Um, but yeah, I think officially as a cosplayer, I started about three years ago. So that was about two years into my cosplay photography career. And I, of course, met a ton of cosplayers at conventions out in Vancouver. And it was, I, I just kept being inspired and I was just like, I want to make something. Um, and two ladies that lived near me wanted to do the Bimbet from Beauty and the Beast and they needed a third. Of course, growing up, Beauty and the Beast was a favorite of mine. And I just kind of was like, sure, I've never officially made a dress like that before. So if you can help me out, then I would love to. And Um, yeah, there are pictures on my Facebook with that and it was just so much fun. And then from there, uh, we actually started, we were getting back into magic around that time as well. And so, um, I think for me, I've always been an art appreciator. Like I, I just love art. And if you ask, if you tell me the name of a card. A very small chance I'll know it. If you tell me the picture I'll be like, Oh yeah, that one. Um, very visual. Love the visual. And the artists are so talented in magic and it just screams, I wanna do that. So, um my first one was Archangel of tithe which I brought to um Tax Prime two years ago. Um and that was really amazing. It was a big one. Or no sorry. I did Liliana before that. Sorry. Liliana was my first one. Um, but each character has really challenged me to also expand my cosplay and, and how I do that. So um, and the things that I work with. So if anything, Magic the Gathering characters have pushed me further than any of the other costumes I've done so far. So and I mean, I like to play the the game. It's it's fun. I'm a casual player. Uh, like joining Friday Night Magic when I can. My whole family does. All three kids. Oh, cool. My ten-year-old daughter. Oh wait, she turns eleven on Friday. Oh dear. Um, <laughs> she. They both, both her and my son, who are eight, go to Friday Night Magic, and they've got their decks. And I mean, we. The last Friday Night Magic we went to, in uh, BC, she got second. She, like they're just. They love the game, and they love, it all. So we're just a bunch of nerds.
3: No, I think it's really cool, and it's one of my favorite parts about GPS. Is how many different groups of people can come together in one room that just love magic. You know, there's those hyper competitive players. There's people who are really into the art, like you described. There's those who just want to play casually, maybe EDH. Those who are really interested in the buying and selling part of the game, and it kind of yeah. all fuses together in one really exciting environment. So I'm excited to see your cosplays. I've always loved uh, interacting with different cosplayers at events. Even out in uh, Costa Rica when I went there, they had cosplayers even out there in a 500 person GP. So it's this kind of unique thing that that now is coming into all of the uh, culture of magic and it's really becoming a mainstay. And I think it's really cool to see. So I'm excited.
2: It's, it's really exciting. I mean, I've been going to the conventions for a few years now. And so that's like 40% of the population is in some sort of costume and seeing it growing more and more. I mean, I just, I just want people to come up and say hi and start talking magic and characters with me and how did you make that? And I probably will just turn around to them and say, how did you make that? And it's, that's the aspect of cosplaying I really like is, is doing that back and forth and the sharing of, of how and, and experience and oh, this broke, which I have stories already of the moving, but, <laughs> but yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's great. It really is. And there's just so many different ways, especially in Magic, and how Wizard of the Coast has brought in so many aspects for so many different people.
1: So, uh, Courtney, we should expect you for most of all three days?
2: Yep. Yep. Probably going to be there at least... I mean, shifts start around noon, but I'll probably be wandering before that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and where, where can people check out some of your stuff, like right now?
2: Um, Purple Rogue Cosplay uh, on Facebook. I'm on Instagram, Purple Rogue Fifty Seven, and also Twitter, Purple Rogue Fifty Seven. Yeah. So yeah, there's a, tomorrow. There'll be a sneak peek. I just did a makeup test and everything with the the headpiece of my Nicobola So there'll be a sneak peek tomorrow for that.
1: Are you gonna post that like on on all three networks?
2: Oh yeah! Oh yeah!
1: All right, and If you want to check out more information, we do have a few pictures posted on the GP website itself, gptoronto2017.com. Just click the Cosplayer tab right there, and there's three of them. Courtney's uh, right there. Um, can't wait to see you Friday, Courtney.
2: Me too. I'm excited.
1: Alright. Thanks. Thank you so much for joining and, and giving us some perspective from the Cosplayer side, and, and we, look, we all look forward to seeing you on Friday.
2: Yeah. Look forward to playing and hanging out. All right. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, ya. That was Courtney Pozolo, and um, it was pretty
1: sweet to get her on and uh, to get me hyped about GP Toronto even more. And I-, I talked about my sponsor, our sponsor, Face Face Games, at the beginning of the show. I didn't realize there was another sponsor in the house. Uh, Doug, when did you sign uh, this contract? Yeah, Team like, Badgers. I We're representing the like, Badger brand. It's uh,
3: you know, it's a Calgary brand, which I know is blasphemous because I'm from Edmonton. But uh, you know, I'm going to be wearing in Toronto the Team Badgers. You'll see me in the top eight picture, probably the Team Badgers shirt hidden under a face-to-face hoodie or something like that. But you uh, know, I'm just teasing. You know, it's just a bunch of friends, and uh, I've been I've been coming back to Magic a little bit more lately. I went out to the face-to-face uh, event in Edmonton, and it was really fun to play a few weeks ago and uh, I bumped into some of the Calgary people and it, we just kind of started joking about, uh, you know, wearing the Team Badger stuff. And here I am back on the podcast wearing it. So just, just for laughs.
1: <laughs> Shout out to Team Badgers. Uh, They're awesome people. Uh, let's just jump straight to some new Simon standard. I may have mentioned this in the last show that, that Brian got me really hyped because he's been... High on Hour of Promise. I got really hyped on the show because when they revealed that it was the card that uh, was going to be the GP Toronto playmat, some people were like, yeah, it's kind of an unexcited card. was probably going to hit the uh, bulk rare bin, but then Brian changed my mind, got hyped. Uh, he posted an insanely cool deck list in the First Strike Nation group. Brian, what, what do you feel about that deck right now after the, the results you saw this weekend?
4: It's, it's still the best deck in standard. It's not, it's not even that close in my eyes. I don't know why everyone isn't playing it. Um, I, I lost two winning ends at the PTQ, the Moto PTQ. Um, both were like just ultra narrow. You know, had six turns to draw a land in one game, never did it. Uh, the other game just didn't see a Sweltering suns versus Moto Red, but it was still very close. Lost in game three narrowly. Um, I mean, I, I very easily felt like I could have run the table. The deck's great. The card's great. Um, I think that people are kind of maybe a little soured on ramp because it didn't, it didn't do anything this weekend. Like, there really weren't any successful lists. I think I was the highest-placing ramp list in the Moto PTQ, and there was some, you know, floating around the SCG event, but it really didn't break through at all. I think the vast majority of people are building the deck wrong. So if you build a suboptimal list of green-red, then, yeah, green-red's not going to put up results. Um, but I think as this archetype gets tuned, gets refined, I mean, I've spent so much time on it, and it just gets better with every iteration. Um, I, if I had a tournament, I would play it tomorrow. You know, I, there's, Even with all the information I have after you know, the SCG and the PTQ, nothing has really changed my mind. I think it has the tools to adapt to everything. You have a ton of good matchups, a ton of very easy matchups. You know, The most played deck at the Open, or at least the biggest Day 2 deck at the Open, was Monument. I have never lost to Monument. I've probably played like eight matches against Monument now. I I feel like I can't lose to it. It's just almost impossible. Um, So that's a good starting point. I feel like I'm very positive against control. Uh, The mono-red matchup is difficult. You need to make some sideboard concessions. The um, rug matchup is very difficult, and I actually don't know how to solve it. So if you have an Achilles heel, it's in like the rug deck, the emerge decks, that you definitely have a hard time with them. Um, But it's not worse than like 40, 60. It's not like you're just absolutely hopeless um, because you're a very powerful linear deck and you have game against everyone if your pieces line up correctly. So uh, yeah, wholeheartedly recommend the deck. I've been talking with a ton of people in the nation about it, um, you know, and kind of sharing my list as it develops. I'm kind of focused on limited for the time being. I don't think I'll really do much more with it this week, but still a big thumbs up there. And I think you got a sweet card for your play, Matt. I don't think you missed the boat at all.
1: Hmm. Uh, Rob, Rob, and Vince, the duo there. Uh, what do you think? What, yeah, cool. what, do you, what do you think of Brian's uh, excitement over his uh, continual excitement over his list? Uh, so I
5: understand his excitement, and I, I guess in his bubble where he has his response <laughs> to work off of, it's, oh, probably, it's probably pretty sound, right? It's just the deck has not taken off yet, and I'm not sure if it's that the meta game is moving around enough, like so much, and it's hard to tune that list to a way that is playing... Like, it's good against the decks that are good against it, since you don't really know where everyone's going to be yet. Um, And it's not just, like, overtly insane. Uh, Although I do think the deck has merit. But there's a lot of decks that have merit. I I don't know. I wouldn't say it's the best deck, hands down. I think that there's just so many sweet decks in standard. (laughs) I'm not sure if there is a best deck right now, and I I hope that we don't find out after the Pro Tour, I hope that the metagame continues to evolve and that kind of the, the best deck moves uh, week to week like it's supposed to in standards in a normal format. If <laughs> so, it
4: will. The tools I hope in this Ryan's wrong. <laughs> no, no, the tools in this format are perfect for that progression, that rolling standard where things go week to week. And, you know, uh, some of the discussion today in various social media groups was around the mill deck. And, like, a mill deck sounds kind of silly, but when you're talking about ramp succeeding and you're talking about other mid-range strategies, mills the perfect foil that you don't you can't interact with them in any relevant way and their clock is totally fine it's like a better version of burn in the right metagame yeah. so you know th- there's not these oppressive pillars of the meta anymore things like marvel and you know ember nonsense like that so we are able to have a rotating thing so i i should tone down my excitement a little bit i felt like it was the best deck for that tournament if i had a tournament today i still think it would be the best deck there will come a point well this uh, you're right this is not going to be the best deck throughout the entirety of standard that's not going to happen in the standard format we're going to see a rotating standard format for sure
0: yeah brian don't you think this deck though like just in the nature of the sort of marquee card being our promise isn't it it's kind of flexible enough that you can pretty drastically adjust the deck based on the metagame as long as you're sort of accurately depicting the future metagame
4: i think so i think it has less to do with our promise and more to do with the fact that this deck plays much more like a jun deck than a ramp deck You have a lot of flexibility in your game plans. You know, Thought Not Seer is is a very adaptable card. It plays a lot of roles really well. In fact, there's only one card, one non-land card in the deck that none of my sideboarding plans involve taking out, and that's Thought Not Seer. It's just good against everyone. I think it may be the best card in Standard right now with the way it lines up against the themes of Standard and the various removal options.
5: You get um, deserts too, man. You just get to jam that card, and I mean, you can kind of play thought nuts
4: in everything. You want right yeah, now. you can, you can, and uh, there's going to be a lot of decks that explore that option because it's such a powerful choice right now. Um, but you're spot on. There is some flexibility the Hour of Promise affords you as well because you get things like graveyard hate, and you get this kind of. Um, it's a really powerful thing for a ramp deck to be able to tap out on turn five and make defense. Like that's not yeah. something you usually have access against, and against. You know, I kind of got into a fight with Todd Anderson on Twitter this week because he's like, there's no reason to play the deserts in your deck. It doesn't make any sense. But against Mono Red, you'll get three deserts every time. Every single time, without question, you're making two zombies and ramping because you want to get something like, say, Ishkana or, you know, a Chandra to wipe the board. So having that option available to you is super important. Um, You're right. There is a lot of flexibility, a lot of flexibility, not only in your configuration, but in how you choose to play the game. It has a lot of strategic options open to it. And that's another point where it kind of contrasts with Jund and gets a lot of like flexible in-game planning. Right. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, that's more where my positivity lies. I think this deck has the tools, but you're completely right on any given week, it could be a poor choice because this is a very good standard for adapting to what's going on. So, Are you
5: locked on green-red being the leading archetype right now? Or like, so? Is like, is green-black seems like it could be... Yeah, I think they all have merit.
4: I think you're exactly right. I think they all have merit, and I just kind of got furthest with green-red, and I have the most hours in, and probably at this point, like, I'm a little too deep to go back. Like, I know my (laughs) green-red deck has gotten so much better as opposed to, like, my early green-white drafts, but I think you're absolutely right that every single one of these archetypes could be considered, so. Cool.
5: Yeah, man, this standard suite, I'm just so sad that I'm not practicing standard (laughs) right now, we'll have to wait till after GP Toronto. (laughs)
4: Yeah, this has been the first time in a while that it's been, I had to convince myself to like play limited instead of standard. Like, no, you have to practice for this tournament, just play more limited. And I always think that I, you know, it's, it's been the opposite for about a year now, where I just want to play limited and not touch standard. Right. Uh, it, feels, yeah. it feels weird to be on the other side.
1: <laughs> Doug, uh, what are you most excited about in standard? What are you seeing here? We got uh, this uh, Michael Hamilton winning the SDG with Dovin Bond. Like, there's some craziness out there. No, I'm all in on here,
3: man. Like, I think that Brian was right when he was saying this might be the best card in Standard. I, I've been a huge fan of it's carried It's carried me to s- some success in my time. But uh, the deck that I'm looking at that I think just kind of pieces some of the uh, puzzle together the best right now is the blue-red deck that actually started 9-0 in the Swiss of the Moto P2Q, falling in the top eight, we believe, to mono-red. But this deck is sweet. It's playing, like, four metallic mimic, just, like, hyping up the Eldrazi train. It's jamming a lot of Eldrazi's, like four Reality Smasher's, and even has four Elder Deep Fiend to just kind of capitalize on things like your Sky Spawners that have maybe made some value and, uh, you know, jumped something bigger out or in response to a removal spell on a Reality Smasher. Like, this deck is just sweet. And I think Thought Seer here is such a good place because as we're kind of talking about, the standard is all over the place. You know, you're looking at this four-color control deck that I can't for the life of me figure out how the heck it won a match, let alone a tournament. I mean, it has like no threats really. And uh, it's just kind of a bunch of mediocre answers, but cards like ThoughtNotSeer are just going to be able to just look at their hand and take, you know, their Glimmer, their best card. And, uh, you know, in other matchups like the ramp deck, you know, they're ramping up to something big and you, you have the opportunity to pick their hand apart with cards like ThoughtNotSeer. So I'm all in on any ThoughtNotSeer deck. I can get behind Brian and what he's saying about this ramp deck. Because Thonatsir gives them a very targeted way of disrupting your opponent uh, in the in the mid game, which is which is pretty sweet. So, give me here and I'm I'm ready to go.
1: <laughs> Brian, looking at the results, are there
4: other decks that, that piqued your interest? Uh, almost too many right now. There's, <laughs> I, I think, there's a lot of really good decks. Uh, I agree with Doug. The first place list. It looks like he had a a binder with like control cards scrawled across the front in like a marker and just grabbed the ones he really liked out of it. And that's how he put his deck together. Like it's just such a random assortment of, of various cards. And I, you know, I'd love to talk to him because it's totally possible that he had absolutely the most perfect reason for his exact numbers and knew exactly what he wanted to do. But just as an outsider looking at the deck list, it looks crazy to me. Um, as, as far as decks that I think are in a pretty good place right now, again, going back to the moto PTQ, which is, Honestly, if we're kind of assigning weight to things like we do around here sometimes, I'd put a lot more weight on the Moto PTQ results than the SDG results. Um, the quality of player was through the roof. Um, there's a lot of great deck lists. Um, you know, there's so many Pro Tour Top 8s and, like, GP winners in, in every single Moto PTQ. It's, it's kind of insane, actually. Um, but the mono red deck was the story of that PTQ. And I'm not saying I want to go play Mono Red, but it certainly is a deck that will impose its will on the format if you don't account for it. Um, and they kind of got this sweet desert package. You know, they have a mana base that can do 20 to you. That's, that's bonkers. Your mana base is literally accounting for all the damage you need to do to win the game. Um, so I think that deck's super interesting. I um, played against a black-green deck with main deck Dream Stealers. They were an absolute house against me. At one point, he had a Dream Stealer in play, and I played a Thought Seer and looked at his hand, and it was two lands and three Blossoming Defenses. And I'm like, "How do I ever win this game? Because I just have to sit there and trump his Dream Stealer on every possible <laughs> turn. As soon as he attacks, like I need to have two blockers to account for it. Um, so it was it was really impressive to see the card in action. It was a card that I have kind of um, it piqued my interest when I saw it and seeing it in action. It was actually better than I thought it had the potential to be it, was, it just changed the way the game was played and you made you account for it um your entire game plan had to be based around the card so i'm sure there's some matchups you boarded out i, I certainly don't want to get something like mono red but there's a bunch of the format where Dream Stealer is awesome right now um but if you scroll through these results there's a ton of interesting stuff here i mean you know the story is kind of the tournament was won by marty vehicles I, I was a little low on Mardu vehicles. Most people I talked to were low on Mardu vehicles going into this tournament. Um, but it won again, I guess, kind of to the surprise of no one. It just seems to always win tournaments no matter what. Uh, Rob, where were you on Mardu vehicles going into this week? I, I, I wasn't on board at all. And you know, you and I tend to play Mardu vehicles when it's an option. Um, yeah, I mean, I wasn't looking at it. I, I'm only not hyped about it
5: because there's so many other cool things to do. Yeah, and I feel like that's they're close to as strong, but I mean Mardu still probably has the best nut draw of any deck, right? Like, I don't know if you can beat Mardu when it's hot. And definitely you can't beat Mardu when it's hot if you're playing some other mid-range deck. Because, like, they're just, like, one mana 3-2 creature, and then another a one drop and another 3-2 creature, and then, like, Unlicensed Disintegration Gideon Unlicensed Disintegration Kill You. That's like, I, what can you do about that, right? <laughs> I mean, that's why the deck is so uh, So great, and then even when it's not doing that, it's still very annoying. It's not like it's losing games if it's not doing that, right? Unlike Mono Red, I feel like Mono Red stumbles, it's a lights out. (laughs) But um, uh, yeah, I'm I'm not surprised if it's winning. I mean, the deck's still very good. Um, It's also completely tuned. If you look at the list that like 8 won, uh, like Baraldi's list, I don't know if he was the one that actually took it down. Yeah, he won. Um, This looks... Almost like the exact same list that I won the RPTQ with.
4: <laughs> it's very close, yeah. Not a lot has changed. Yeah, it surprises
5: me though. It's like <laughs>
3: like Arbaid is like such a good card to interact with heart of Kieran in the early game. So right. I, I don't know. I, I was surprised not only that it won, but that there's two of them in the top eight at eight one. So it's not even just like an outlier ranked it necessarily. I mean I, I could be attributing too much weight to Yeah, the thing is a
5: A Braid doesn't matter, because those decks that were running a Braid were just running Harness Lighting before. So, like, they could kind of kill Heart of Kieran when they wanted to anyways, but they have to wait for you to activate to kill it. But you're like, you know, let's be honest, you're always activating it, right? Um, It's just like, the reach is just so annoying. I mean, you just play a heart, and then they abrade it, and then you play another heart, and then they don't have the abrade, and they start eating four. Yeah,
3: a lot of these guys are playing abrade and harness lightning now. Like I'm, I'm noticing the blue-red deck then you're that, just I, that I'm mid. all about is playing is playing both. Uh, so that, that's why I'm kind of thinking, you know, I, I'm, I'm a little surprised honestly that 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 it's doing so well. But I guess you're right. If you're a tuned deck and you've played a lot of iterations with this deck in the last format, maybe your opponents are doing different things, but you know how to kind of sequence different runouts. So
5: people can be sideboarding very poorly against him too, right? Like they could be leaving a braid in and he just like sides out heart and brings in planeswalkers, right? And then they just have like a medium removal spell against stuff that doesn't really matter. So it's difficult to really know what's going on without seeing all the matches play out, which is a knock against the PTQ, I guess you kind of get to see that in the SCT open so you get a little more data. You'd be like, oh no, that guy was just a sack. (laughs) That's why he won the event. Um but yeah I don't know. is obviously still good. Not, not surprised, but... No, but let, let's I mean, be honest, yeah.
4: though. The thing about Mardu is that it's going to prey on any deck that's unprepared and like poorly built. A poorly built deck is going to lose to Mardu almost every time, and it probably exploits like inefficiency better than any deck in the format. Um, you know, I, I think that yeah. a lot of people probably show up to week one with Crappy decks. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of people out there who say my deck was crappy for week one. I strongly disagree, but like, they, would have, they would have defended their deck the same way, right? And now looking back on it, you go, oh, that deck actually wasn't successful. So I think that its ability to prey on an undefined metagame certainly has a lot to do with it. Do I expect Mardu to be like the deck at the Pro Tour? I would be so surprised. I, I know we've said this before, but I would be very surprised if, if Mardu had any kind of showing at the Pro Tour. Um, but would
5: you be surprised yeah. if one copy makes top 8 and then wins no, it all? No, no, I wouldn't be too well. surprised at
4: that. Yeah, yeah. I, I, don't think, I don't think that would be surprising. I, it's just like, I don't expect it to be the most played deck. I don't yeah, expect it yeah. to be the most successful deck. Um, but there, there will be copies, and it's totally plausible that some number could do well. <laughs>
1: You know losing? Brian, it's losing its title. I, lo- I love when the names you give, like, the best
4: post-board deck in the format. It, so- it might still be that. It might still get that title. I don't know. I mean, whether or not it's true, there's enough other interesting stuff that's not going to have my attention for the time being. I'm sorry, Mardu, I'm cheating on you with other decks for a little <laughs> while. But it, it's possible I go back. It's just uh, there's a lot of sweet stuff to explore right now. And you know, being locked into what I felt like I was forced into playing for the last however many months uh, is not on my agenda. I want to explore and kind of try new things. And it it just felt, it felt so good to have a, a new archetype that I formulated be good again, because you couldn't do that. Honestly, it was, it was stupid to even try. I didn't even try and brew over the last 12 months because there was always this kind of limiter on the format that, you just had to account for it, and only a very limited thing, number of things are capable of accounting for turn 4 infinite combos, uh, turn 4 Ulamogs. You, know, you just have to play in a prescribed manna, manner, and those decks were kind of sussed out because that's the only way Magic could continue to exist. Otherwise, we would have all just been playing Marvel Mirrors all the time. So, uh, yeah, it, it's nice to have that freedom to just kind of experiment and find new stuff back.
5: Brian, I think you should, um, you should test out Mardu with like a bunch of deserts and just slam the Eldrazi package in there. Like, i i, I April, I'm not Thought Not Seer Reality Smasher. I
4: mean, you probably have to go down to, like, Red White, right? Like, it's, it's not quite easy to get all the deserts in there and still have your black sources. But even still, that deck sounds appealing to me. Like, you could totally have a vehicles package just, like, topped off with Thought Not Seer, and you're still doing all the Gideon, Heart of Curin, uh Veteran Motorists, you know, all that good stuff is still there. It's just like, oh, now I have... Eldrazi Obligator and Thought Not Seer and Reality Smasher and Postboard Games and you know somewhere along this standard format that's going to become an option for sure.
0: This sounds like a ninety-five card standard deck. There's it might, just be. So much might going be. On. I would play it.
5: I'd play
3: it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if, the, if the Star City winner listed what he was playing, we'd think it was a 95-card deck.
4: So, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Actually, this guy already figured it out. It's so <laughs> far ahead of us. There's so many good cards that you're just supposed to play one or two copies of everything, and that's how you get to the best possible deck. 100%. He's even got stuff like
3: Chandra's Defeat and like Jace's Defeat. <laughs> He's just defeating. Oh. He defeated everyone. He, he holds all the chips. This
5: list is crazy. I don't really want to talk about it.
4: Okay.
5: <laughs> <laughs> if it does well again then we'll bring it up but I feel like this is a fluke for now and we'll wait we'll wait until further notice
1: Doug, how surprised were you before the show to find out that Brian's never heard of MTG Goldfish? I was honestly
3: surprised. I mean, <laughs> MTG Goldfish is a site <laughs> that I go to to, like, look at the decks, the metagame, like, percentages, things like that. Uh, you know, even price trends, I've gone there before, so... I
4: think I knew it existed. I, I've heard someone say it before, but I've just never been there. I didn't know I, it was... I legitimately have seven tabs of like, <laughs> open for all of these decks right now. Like, it's for aggro, like, monument, like, everything, yeah. just... Ready to go. Does it have anything though? Cause I go to, I read channel fireball, star city and TCG every day. I don't know why we're doing all this free advertising. For <laughs> of but let's do it anyway. Uh, I, I read those three sites every day. Is there, am I missing a lot by not going? I'm to not using site?
3: it for strategy content. I'll be honest.
4: I'm using okay. it just for my deck filtering and, and looking at percentages pretty easily in trends and things. But like all this that. stuff probably shows up somewhere in, you know, MTGO results and. Oh, for sure. You can find it in other places too. It's just the one that I'm using. Yeah,
1: yeah. I think that, Brian, it became popular because of that other stuff, not the articles, but because like it tracks the, the prices of cards if online and in real life. They show you this nice graph. So
4: yeah, I looked at it. It, it looks, looks interesting. It. I'll, I'll probably add it to my you know go to sites from this point forward. I just I don't know. I just you know, there's kind of a high barrier to entry to magic sites, right? We have a limited amount of hours in the day. You can't read everything written on the internet about magic. And I just kind of had my sites established. And I haven't added anything new to it for a while. Um, but you know, if they are producing good content, then yeah, it gets into my rotation. Uh, Doug, you
1: have all these tabs. If, if you had a Saturday tournament coming up, what's the one deck that you're going to sleeve up? Not, not would... close.
3: Blue red El Like, I don't know. This deck is just doing what I want it to, you know, you're just putting these threats that are a little sticky, like mattery shaper cards, like thought not seer. And I think it's even cool that it has reached, like it's playing four of the, uh, what is this called, Ipnu Rivulet, the, like, blue desert, with no real intention of doing anything other than sacrificing it to the red desert, from what I can tell. So it just has, like, even this, uh, reach in the late game to just kind of burn them out. Like it taps for colorless. Yeah, I, I know. It it's taps. a dual land. <laughs> it's it's it <laughs> is a dual land. It's a for my thought <laughs> nuts here, but, like, you're not gonna sacrifice it otherwise. Like, Aether Hub is also the nut right now, I think, by the way. This card is, like, doing everything in every deck because it taps for colorless as well as any color. So, I don't know. I'm a big fan of this deck. Um, I mean, I lost to it at uh, Pro Tour Atlanta. I know that was modern. That was a different thing. But when uh, when I see Vile Aggregate and Eldrazi Sky Spawner next to each other, I kind of get excited that, you know, you might be able to do something cool with it. So, I'm going to Deep Fathom Skulker, people. I'm going to get them.
1: All right. Let's move, move out of standard, uh, a little store-level news, as my house phone randomly rings. <laughs> um, Doug, Doug, take, take the f promo away. Sure, I'll, take, Doug, I'll take that. Car, answer my call. UIT
3: <laughs> <laughs> being the only human being I now know who still has a house phone, but uh, in other news, um, so from what I've read, you know, we've complained a lot in the past about FNM promos not being uh, up to snuff, not up to high quality. Uh, and I think WOTC has uh, heard us. And instead of going the direction of printing really cool FNM promos that are going to make it as staples in our decks, they're printing foil tokens. So um, a hot take from anyone in this particular group about foil Foiled tokens. Double-sided tokens. Double-sided, like zombies, right? <laughs> zombie on one side, zombie on another.
5: Yeah, I don't know. It, it's kind of weird. I feel like um, watsy is just taking more and more steps uh, almost like every year or every quarter to just push the competitive, like the person that's trying to get on the pro tour out of the LGS. It seems to be their, their goal. Like, they don't want them there. They, they, For some reason, they think that um, everyone that's playing Magic at an LGS is there to like just hang out and chill and kind of like, burn money, just having fun. Like you would go out to the bar and drink, right? But a lot of, I, anyways, in my community, a lot of people are there to like play better themselves, try and figure out what's working, but also to like win some credit and like build a collection, right? And like maybe trade with people so that they can they can have decks to play for the rest of the format. I, I don't see a lot of people that are just in there that are like, oh man, I just want to play standard because I can hang out with my six buds and see a bunch of people. Like that's kind of for after FNM, right? We go, we try and win, and then afterwards we we go for food and drinks. So, like, we don't really need to go to F&M to go out and hang out and play Magic. If that's what I was doing, I would just do that at home. I don't know why I would lose money going to an LGS. That was my goal. But Watsy seems to think, like, this is what people want to do, which is kind of weird. I've just never seen that in my community. And when stores try and do that, it's usually fought with a lot of pushback from the community about people feeling that it's not really worth their time. To go uh and play there but i don't know i don't know it's just it's like a they seem like they're going in this direction and they just keep pushing harder and harder on it so i am kind of disappointed in this change although these foil tokens are probably going to be worth more than like a bad fnm card that they would pull out of standard so at least i guess we have that right like we're not going to get um noose constrictor or (laughs) (laughs) i can't even remember what the card was uh KYT's buddy from Montreal played it in like some Esper some control deck one time. It's like a very weird factor fiction where like you have to guess which file you want to take or something stupid like that. It's like truth or dare or something really weird. Like, it's, yeah, it's, okay. <laughs> it's just a strictly worse than Cliver of Genius, basically. But uh, they, they did they did that one. I, I can't remember the name, it was so bad. Um, I think it's still legal. Fortune's Favor. Fortune's favor, yeah. That was close. Uh, it's what's from BFC or something? I don't even know. <laughs> Very successful stay. But yeah, that, that card's bad. But stuff like Aether Hub and Fatal Push are like sick, right? So like if they just like kept picking cards like that, then you can be sad about this token change. The fact that like their track record of cards is like pretty terrible means that this is probably like plus EV, uh, unless they start picking like some really weird tokens. But the zombie tokens were worth like five to ten dollars or something like that. So maybe these will be worth five to ten dollars, in which case like you're probably just better off. But I feel like they're trying to make a change to like disincentivize people to come to try and win the FNM promo, like the FNM promo is just like a bonus of being there and you just happen to stumble into a good record almost. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know what your guys' opinions are on it. I'm kind of like neutral. I don't really care, but it's unfortunate they to feel like their future stances on where they think competitive play is.
0: It, I think to me, it just seems very weird that this had to come at the cost of FNM promos. Like there's nothing stopping Watsi from just also adding, monthly two-sided foils that they could give out as promos alongside of an promo promos like why do we have to have a fixed number of promos that come out each month like if you're gonna create promos sweet make more of them people like them like i feel like this is just a weird arbitrary like why we're removing one to add another it doesn't make any sense to me i honestly think this is them responding to how well star city's token collection is going right like that's a really big drive for, start, for people consistently, you know, going to the tournaments, Star City, I think, what are they called? Like, like Thursday Night Magics or whatever in the oh, you get your pig and stuff. Yeah, and you get all that, like the Creature Collection, right? Like <laughs> yeah. people are buying sleeves for that now. Like it's a huge secondary market for SCG. And I think Wizards is trying to hop on the bandwagon of their third party suppliers. So <laughs> good on them, I guess. I just don't know why it had to come the cost of FNM promos. There's no reason for that.
3: Imagine if you've got a double sided foil goose of Saint Traft though. Like that's like next level. <laughs> that's
0: that's, like, that's the highest E V token for seen. sure. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know what? If the other angel side on the other side <laughs> if the other side was the pro player cards, I, I'd be buying those in, in droves. I think though it'd be like I have a Rob Lombardi goose and I have <laughs> a Brian goose. You just <laughs> i'd have like that's what i want with a badger on the other
5: side you could like collect them all see we need to be watsi's marketing team we've solved the token issue we've gone off the deep end that's 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 what we did yeah Yeah. but so there's one more point i have is in blake's article that he kind of posted so they did this weird thing where they announced it yesterday for like no reason maybe they just forgot it was sunday or they thought like everyone's gonna be watching game of thrones so they'll push this article out and like no one will see it and it'll just like go under the radar uh, and then they don't have to deal with the backlash that they know is coming, but people saw it anyways, and they started to complain. So Blake felt necessary to reclarify what their, their goals were. And he added in like some garbage about how, um, you know, FNM promos don't affect standard attendance. And he was like, yeah, when we had, F- we had aether hub, like they didn't really drive attendance into the store, you know? And it's like, yeah, but you know, no one was playing that standard because that standard format was complete garbage. You, know, you can't use that data. And I kind of, like, poked him about that on Twitter, and he's like, yeah, well, there's more data. And I'm like, yeah, but when your opening argument has bad data in it, how can I trust, like, your other data? You know what I mean? Like, it's just open your argument with the good data from, like, two years ago or whatever, and say, like, we also noticed that trend with Hub and we know that there are other problems there, but it's like, wasn't a big enough draw to pull people into a bad standard? Okay, I get that. But, like, when your only argument, like, the data doesn't hold ground, then... I don't think you have an argument. Like, it's just... <laughs> present me with data that, is, that makes sense, and then I'll start believing you. Otherwise, I, I have nothing. I have literally nothing to go off, so I, I think that maybe they are uh, have uncorrelated data and they're drawing incorrect conclusions. That, that's kind of where I'm at on how they're analyzing it currently.
4: Hmm. I think that this is... I mean, this affects me in no way whatsoever. I can't tell you the last time I played an M, so my opinion probably doesn't matter. Um. I, I don't care about this, but I think they don't want us at M's. I think you're correct. And I think that's probably good because they need a way to transition the people buying packs of cards at Walmart into the stores. Like Just buying your two packs a week is, is not enough. They want you invested in the card community, buying singles, understanding that because, I mean, you guys are talking – you go to LGSs and you don't spend money there. You get credit. It's like you're getting paid to go to the LGS. And I, I do the same thing if I ever go to an LGS. It's very rare that I have to pay out of pocket for anything other than a tournament entry fee because I have so much credit built up. But that doesn't do anyone any good. They need to kind of make the stepping stone for the next wave of GP players to you know, start working their way into competitive play. And if the four of us are going to every Friday Night Magic and sniping it for FNM promos, that's not serving anyone. Like it's just not getting anything done. Um, I I don't know that what they're doing will be successful. I don't know if it was the right approach for trying to institute these goals. But I think it's more. There's more to it than haha. We took away your F and M promos. Now you get tokens. Like they they are trying to accomplish something here. I'm not convinced they did it in the right way. But it's possible. I mean, I don't I don't know how else you start creating this transition where you get these. Casual players to just start slowly scaling into a competitive scene because it has to be slow. If someone with you know their fun cat deck they slap together over the course of six months, buying a pack a week, shows up at FNM and gets absolutely wrenched, they're never coming back. So they need to have the good players start fading away from FNM and make that a home for other people. Um, we'll see if this does that. I, I guess I won't see. I'll never go to an FNM. But you guys can tell me if this has accomplished that goal come three or four months from now.
1: I think, does Doug play at the LGS anymore, or I think only I mean, Rob plays at the LGS. I actually don't even play at the LGS anymore.
4: <laughs> <laughs> so none I, of us so care about this. <laughs> All of okay, okay, occasionally, $100. occasionally,
5: I, occasionally, I go. I mean, uh, it depends. Like, i my wife works on Fridays sometimes, and if if she's like working the whole way through, and. I have to be, like, with my 18-month-old son, like, the whole event, like, that's not going to happen, right? He's not going to sit through a draft and then sit through three rounds of me derling like, around with some stupid draft deck without, like, you know, causing mayhem, so um, yeah, that's not going to work. But if she's, like, not working and, uh, you know, doesn't want me around the house, then I'm, I'm fine to go and, and draft if that's what everyone else is doing, but I'm not, like, uh, it's not religious for me anymore like it was in my teens. I, I used to be there every Friday for sure.
3: I did uh, actually go to the LGS quite a bit during my last active year of playing. It's weird. You were kind of talking about, Rob, like FNM isn't the place to gather. Um, You're going to do that like out of food or, or drinks or whatever. But funnily enough, we had this weird thing where a lot of the top players were all going to one specific LGS, but none of us were really hunting FNM cards. It was more about the testing or even playing like games on the sides, like phone games with each other things like that and then we'd all go out for food and drinks afterwards play werewolf secret hitler all those games so yeah M. you know i don't really care what the promo is for me i mean i think brian's right if there was a really good promo i'd be incentivized to play and then i would just care about winning but i, I don't get why we can't just give a token to everyone like that seems like the solution like why are we having a a, a prize that's only for a few people that some stores choose to auction off or, or not auction sorry random off and other stores do for top finishers. Let's just give everyone a foil. It's not going to cost a lot to make, you know, a bunch of foils. I don't know.
0: You just reminded me of something, actually, Doug. I've been hearing a lot recently. I don't know if this is just, like, chatter from Reddit, but a lot of people have been complaining that store owners are actually just hoarding FNM promos and selling them on eBay. Not even just FNM promos, but just, like, promos that they're getting from um, from wizards, or just not giving them out as prizes to their players, and just shipping them off on eBay. So maybe this might have something to do do with. Oh my god, I thought KYT was smoking a cigarette there. Um, maybe maybe this has something to do with uh, with that. It, it might. It might not. But yeah, that's something that definitely could have
5: impacted. <laughs> That, man, that was oof. that was my fault. I yeah. thought KYT had um, a sucker in his mouth, and so I clicked on your picture yeah. car just to blow it up. while was stocking that got me.
0: No, but yeah, that's definitely something that um that could that could be impacting it as well, right? is the fact that store owners are just like, anytime there's a valuable problem, they're like, yeah. oh,
4: cool, I just made $400. Yeah, Sorry, that's guys, I didn't actually. get FNM promos. Yeah,
5: that's, that's terrible. They should have
4: their license revoked. Yeah, they should. They bad. actually probably they should. should never go to that store again, right? Like, I, I mean, I yeah. guess it's hard when, like, if you're in an area that only has one store and, like, that's your store, that's how you get to play Magic. But... Just get them closed down. Just report, you... them, yeah. <laughs> Everyone yeah, knows r- report them, yeah. I would report them. If your store is doing that, definitely tell someone. I, I don't know who the right contact person is, but I'm sure someone at Wizards cares about that for sure.
5: Definitely, yeah. Yeah, get them reported, then open up a shop right beside them. They can store in tournaments. You did it. You live in
1: the dream. <laughs> um, that, Rob, you don't even play uh, FNM anymore? Like, real you don't, care, you don't care about the store championship change either, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> they, uh, they decide to, uh, in the same announcement, they decide to move game day from near the close of uh, the set's release all the way to the end. And I think we've talked about stuff like standard showdowns and stuff like that because, well, it concerns me as someone that uh, sets up some of the weekend events at the local face-to-face game store. Again, just don't see how you can get that many people because it, 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 there are just too many local PPTQs around. And then the who shows up for game day anymore when there's like four or six PPTQs around, like unless you're not... You don't care about getting through a pro tour. I feel like game day, usually, you're lucky. We're lucky to get over 12 people over here. Yeah, I've
5: never seen like a busy game day. I've also never seen a weekend showdown event. Um, I've only played one weekend showdown event. It's because in our like local Hamilton group, the shop owner shop owner posted, like, at 11.30 or whatever, the trim was running at 12, that, like, there were only seven people there. Like, just literally anyone could come and play so they could fire it, right? Or else they, like, can't really fire it. And I was like, uh, I had just got back from the PT, and I'm like, okay, I guess I'll just walk over with my deck. Like, it was all sleeps, it's still in the box, I didn't change a single card. I was like, okay, cool. And, uh, uh, the deck performed a lot better than it did at the Pro Tour, that's for damn Sure.
0: (laughs) Weird how
5: that works. Yeah, the LGS, not quite the PT, I guess. But um, yeah, that was the only event I played in, and it, it like basically didn't it wasn't gonna fire unless, unless they showed up, right? But I, I agree with you. Like, I think no one really cares about game day, um, and no one really cares about the showdown packs either, for the most part. I think that yeah, like the you already have F and and stores are running like other day standard or modern plus like other day drafts. There's just like a lot of stuff going on. You can play Magic whenever you want. and these events need everyone to kind of want to play on the same day. And it doesn't really seem like that's kind of what's going on when it's not regular, right? If it was like Wednesday night showdown or something, and that was a thing that they did. And now everyone's going every week and you wait like two years. So it's ingrained like FNM, then maybe you can do something, but like randomly an LGS firing something on a Saturday here and a Saturday there, even if it's at the end of a season, it's just like, not people just can't like get into the flow. I feel. Of that kind of stuff, right? That's kind of what you need, right? And you need to make sure it's consistent, because as soon as like the attendance drops to 7, then it drops to 3, and then you don't fire anymore.
1: <laughs> it's like, <laughs> you need to maintain 12 up. Yeah, I, I just, I might be wrong. Like I feel like if you're just sort of marketing this so that you become the store champion, I mean, if, if these are people who care about competitively, they're just going to play a PPTQ. Uh, would you say I'm right, Brian, or what do you think about that?
4: I think there's a mid range there where there are a group of people that do care about that achievement. Um, I know because I can't tell you how many dudes I've played with, like they roll out their game day champion playmat and like look down at it and wait for me to acknowledge it in some <laughs> awkward way. Um, so like there, there is a level of player who small distinctions are still on the table, right? Like they're, they're still climbing their way into the scene. Um, so again, this is doing some of that, that gap bridging, how you get people into the PPTQ scene, I think they see it as like, first you win FNM, then you win your store championship, then you become a PPTQ player, then you go on to RPTQs and GPs, and you kind of build up through that. So the problem previously was that things like store champion and FNM were interchangeable. They weren't working as a stepping stone. So now that they've downgraded or attempted to downgrade FNM a little bit, they are easing people in a little bit more smoothly. Again, I don't know if this is going to work. Um, and I don't even know if this is exactly what they're attempting to do, but this is just my best guess and kind of the way I'm making sense of all this.
5: Is the, is the game day Is usually like just the worst possible player to win? What? The event, <laughs> right? Like they're like kind of the people that like care about that. And like really try hard to do well. Sometimes they just like they're the kind of person that doesn't know enough to really be like correct or have like an educated opinion broadly. But they feel like they're entitled to give that opinion now that they've won the game day event, and they just spread misinformation. <laughs> it's just it I tilts me it, when I hear I it. Think and, <laughs> there's
3: a lot of different types of players. But I, I do a agree. I do agree with like something Brian said. And I have just a small story. Hopefully, this is. Appropriately uh, placed here about how much people really care about these play mats, and when they they win these tournaments and they get this recognition, they have this play mat. There are there are players who that means a lot to that they feel like as they're rolling it out, you know. And for some players, that could be a pro tour mat for their one pro tour they've been to. That could be that you know that look at what I've done. Um, just a very small story. I was at the face to face open in Edmonton a few weeks back, and there wasn't a lot of table space, and it was one of those where. You know, I'm sitting and there's the person in front of me and the two on either side of me. And when the playmats are all rolled out, I'm the only one without a playmat. And thus, that means I have, like, no play space just because everyone's kind of encroaching my space. And I made a comment out loud that I think that play playmat should be banned at tournaments um, because I just was, like, I didn't have any space and I was just kind of saying it. And the daggers I got, like, people were mad just looking at me like, excuse me? Like, this is my game day champion, man. You can't ban that. Like... <laughs> like i got people were not happy that i made that comment and i was just trying to be kind of funny but also like help them realize like because i said to them can you move and they're like no i've got my play mat here you can you can put your lands on my play mats and it's kind of like okay so i was playing like on this weird slant but um yeah people really really care about their play mats like a lot so um it's important i think that the game day mats i think keep it the same, like, get rid of FNM promos, but, like, let them, let them have it. Like, let them be the store champion, you
1: know? Um, I, yeah, I'm getting convinced to, to your side and to what Brian talked about, and shout-outs to Matt Nelson, who say, who said, KYT, I disagree. There's definitely several different competitive tiers and local players. There's people who want to be FNM end bosses and game, game day winners, um, but they don't perform as well as us consistent PPTQ attendees. Okay, uh, where we're heading towards the end of the show so let's just get straight into gp toronto hype uh first we'll answer a question from the nation uh what and a question for you vince because i can't give an unbiased answer right. for this what is if someone's going <clears throat> there and not playing the main event at gp toronto what is their best value so I think the answer
0: to this question depends on who's asking it, right? Because it's obviously going to vary based on your skill set, right? If you're a limited master, just grind the drafts, right? The, I mean, that's what I did in GP Montreal. And I walked away with a case for, I think it was 140 bucks to sign up for the side events. So that worked out pretty well. I'm not, I'm not saying I'm good, like a limited yeah. master, but it was Vince definitely... Vince <laughs>
5: isn't even a master. Yeah, you know, exactly. <laughs> that,
0: this, this should help encourage people, right? <laughs> If anyone in the nation has seen the spreadsheet that I just posted, I'm like minus 40 packs over 13 drafts on Moto. So. Um, but yeah, no, I think it really depends on your skill set, right? Um, the on demand events, really all of the side events are really good EV at GPs. Like they've always been very high EV in terms of the pack rewards. Um, one small detail that I will say I wish I knew earlier, I don't know if this is happening at GP Toronto. Car, you might be able to fill me in. Um, but they. Had guaranteed prize payout uh, events, I think, on the Saturday and the Sunday that were like a, a standard showdown and a modern showdown um, that had like a guaranteed number of tickets that were going to be given out. Um, and I remember, especially in Montreal, I think there were some absurdly low number of people that actually signed up for those events. Yeah, and like got, 22 or something. And got an insane payout just for being in the tournament. Um, so yeah, a lot of the uh, scheduled side event tournaments are actually very good EV as well. Um, what I recommend doing if you're if you're going to side events is just do what play what you want to play and play what you're good at, and you'll end up doing well. Like I promise you, you will come out positive. I did a bunch of drafts, um, and oh, I will add for the for the on-demand drafts, it's almost become common courtesy at this point for everyone to just split after round one if you want to sort of maximize your EV because what ends up happening is everyone just um, takes what's the equivalent of 10 packs after one round and then just refires another draft if you win your first round. Um, So that allows you to get the most drafts in for your, that weekend of high EV drafting. Um, So if you're going to do drafts, do that. That's usually the best way to, if you're just trying to grind money instead of, you know, actually enjoying the draft. But yeah, I think the on-demand events are always really good. And the scheduled events also have really good payouts. So just play side events in your plus EV.
5: Yeah, there's also like double prize events. If you can get into any double prize event, on a format that you know what's going on, that yeah. event is legit.
0: <laughs> yeah, I did that I did that for Sealed on on Sunday in Montreal and I think I went 40 in a sealed event and got two boxes like it's just super straightforward like it's not difficult and i drew a lot from him. like it's it's very easy to make money in side events so i mean i know i'm giving kind of a wishy-washy answer to what what's the best ev for side events but the best ev just is side events at a gp like you're already in the
5: high ev section of the tournament just enjoy it and enjoy the ride yeah actually um i've i've always been down EV to the rest of my car mates if I make day two and don't top eight and they don't make day yeah two. absolutely absolutely <laughs> and it's usually by about six hundred dollars I mean a case yeah so a case of
0: almond cat is like what around five fifty six hundred bucks yeah so you should be able to get uh, six hundred yeah, yeah so I mean I'm I was plus basically five hundred dollars on the tournament that's top sixteening right a GP
5: uh.
0: Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, unless you top sixteen that GP, I did better than you,
1: <laughs> right? So I mean, it's as simple as that. But it, but yeah, if you're not interested in playing the main event, but the the Friday, some of the Friday last chance trials, the double trials especially, those those just seem oh, like oh yeah, those are those are yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, last chance trials are incredible. Yeah, do those. You guys also
5: have like. Um... I forget what you called it, but uh, they had it in. What was the last GP we played Cleveland or whatever? Um, no, Montreal. Montreal. Um, and it's like you buy like a super pack or something. And it's like one hundred and fifty dollars, but you get like two hundred dollars worth of like it was one hundred and forty dollars. You get ten drafts. Yeah, but uh, I think Face has one. It's like one hundred fifty, and you get. I think it's one hundred fifty. You get ten drafts. So yeah, it's, pretty much it's, the same it's still very but like, very. Yeah, if you're just gonna like spend the whole weekend drafting. You should get one of these packages. You just save $50 on the weekend, right? So, just be prepared to draft often. Like, it sounds
0: like, oh, yeah, 10 drafts. I can definitely do that. <laughs> it's hard, man. Like, I struggle to get 10 drafts in. I think you got to start on Friday. Yeah, you need to be drafting. Yeah, you got to start on Friday. Just focus on
1: drafting. Get <laughs> gonna... to the cause. Yeah, but it's worth it. It's great. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. um, like especially if you're if you're gonna play some of the uh, modern opens, they're they're 50 bucks each. Definitely get one of those side event packages. And uh, like usually for, for a lot of GPS, like like uh, Vince mentioned, it's not just because I'm I'm part of the team. Like usually it's just a better value section. Yeah. The- no. It really is. It really is. I yeah, mean, is. The, the thing is, right? It's a
0: trade off. The side events are great for just getting value, so to speak if you want to be a part of the Pro Tour and you want to grind points and you want to get, you know, you're, you're, it's a different motivation, right, for the GP. I don't think people are going to a GP going, I really hope I make $500. They're going, I really hope I get to the Pro Tour through this GP. Or I really hope I get myself to silver or gold or whatever it is. So it's just different, you know, different motivations for sure.
1: Um, all, all the other three are playing the main event, I assume? Absolutely, yep. It's the only way I can make silver now. I have to, I have to win. <laughs> <laughs> Doug, how much prep have you put put in so far? And, and do you plan to uh, get your revenge on one Robert Lombardi this time? I mean, uh, I've played... A sealed
3: and a draft. So that's a lot of magic for me lately. I'm pretty excited about it. Uh, no, I've actually been thinking a lot about magic, which I, I know it's something Brian mentioned like a while ago that a lot of his prep is mental. And, and for me, it's always been that way. And I haven't been thinking a lot about magic lately. I've kind of just been focusing on other areas of my life. But ever since... Uh, this set started to get rolling i've been really thinking a lot about magic watching a lot more videos watching a lot more streams and kind of immersing myself asking more questions talking to people about cards so i'm pretty excited about it it's a limited gp which um i honestly i've always found myself to be um a better sealed deck player than drafter uh, and i think people say sealed is a harder format um i i love sealed i love the puzzle I love playing, like building that deck and playing Sealed. But drafting, I feel like I make a lot of bad mistakes when I'm drafting. So I don't love my chances to to get revenge, honestly, but I'm hoping to put up a strong uh, day one Sealed performance. Really, the one record I'm trying to keep is I think I'm now at uh, seven GPs in a row. I've gone to without two buys and I just one shot a trial uh, every single GP, which is pretty sweet because it gets you your two... Buys and it also gets you uh, quite a few packs, so that's the streak I'm hoping to continue: is to one-shot a trial in a sealed deck tournament on uh, on Friday. So,
5: man, I wish I could play trials. I'll you be there, all right? right. I, I know,
3: all right. I mean, the last yeah. time I did it, got me a Super Sunday Series top eight, which uh, was pretty cool. Um, the double down, <laughs> yeah. the Double down. Oh, that was such a good sandwich from KFC, man. Uh, yeah,
5: <laughs> I had exactly one, and it was not good. I still regret it to this day, and it was like five or six
3: years ago. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I, I'm really hoping for a good sealed result, 8-1 and 9 and then, you know, just hope in draft that I, you know, that I play Titan, don't uh, pick some Mox Opal in 0-3 like I did the Pro Tour. Crucial, crucial for sure.
5: Yeah, I don't think that's a, Mox Opal would be a poor poor choice. Okay, Invocation. <laughs> how about that yeah, would be bad. <laughs> what are they called now? Masterpieces? I don't know. <laughs> uh, it's Invocation, right? Is that the set? <laughs> maybe they don't have a name i don't know isn't it is invocation it's invocation no one knows because no one cares that's <laughs> exactly where we're at yeah so um vince and i have been doing uh close to infinite amount of prep like have just been jamming sealed and draft events and going back and forth talking about what's right what's not right what picks correct what builds correct and then like I'm reviewing like some games and looking at a bunch of board states and, like what line should i have taken could i have won this match like or was i just screwed you know, just trying to figure out, like, where to be positioned in the format, like, do you want to be aggro, do you want to be mid-range, do you want to be controlled, do you want to be ramp? Like, just, just looking at that kind of stuff, like, where do you want to be positioned? And I think we actually came to a bunch of really sweet conclusions, and we're probably going to put a bunch of that uh, knowledge into some video series that we're going to try and jam out um, over the next few days ahead of uh, the GP, and they will be available to the patrons um, through our, our Google Drive, so looking forward to that. I think that I mean, I'm hoping to put out a more useful product than what you would have got from someone doing a set review like, as soon as the spoiler was finished, basically, right? Because we now have like, a bunch of opinions that are validated <laughs> instead yeah. of having a bunch of unvalidated opinions. Um, and we're going to do a bunch of like really cool like, game state review stuff that I think um, could be level-up moments for uh, a bunch of people, depending on like, where your skill level is. I know that it was at least a level-up <laughs> moment for one of us. <laughs> essentially what Rob's describing
0: is like, I called him in on Skype a few times and I'm like did I play this like a horrible donkey or am I just super unlucky and Rob's like no you're pretty bad and I had it It was actually a very good like enlightening experience for my magic
5: play so it, wasn't as, it wasn't as obvious as Vince states no, it to, until was. you like until you find the line and then you're like yeah that makes sense but the line is like three turns long so but yeah we
0: were, we were talking about it afterwards sort of and just thinking like in general that, that kind of discussion <laughs> is kind of missing right now, I think, in a lot of like sort of paywalled strategy sites. And I think it's a really good idea to have because I think like, you know, everyone can do a set review, everyone can talk about what cards they think are good and what cards they think are bad. But if you can't play your decks well and you can't think about how you play and how to improve your gameplay on a more theoretical level, like you're not you're gonna draft good decks and play them badly and not do well. So I think it's important to have both. And you'll just be whining about variants on Twitter? Yeah. Like, Boom, misplaced like, Ginger.
5: A lot. A lot. Sorry. <laughs> sorry, Derek. They call you out, buddy. <laughs> our, our patron.
1: <laughs> misplaced Ginger, yeah. um, He knows he's real. We love him. Yeah. <laughs> have you guys been crushing it on the, in the online oh, circle? God, no. With, uh, minus, no, like, what are you minus, Vincent? You say you No, I'm not actual minus 40 packs. I oh, think I'm you? minus,
0: like, 16 packs. But I honestly want to say that's a fault of leagues. And I'm not trying to like, pass the buck here, but I, I've been doing these Excel spreadsheets for my drafts over the past two-ish years, um, and I've been tracking my match win rate and then the amount of packs I'm plus or minus, minus. and as I go back through each session, pre-leagues and post-leagues, my match win rate has actually gone up in Hour of Devastation, and I am down, like, 30 more packs than I would have been previously, just jamming A4s.
4: Are you tracking so, play points? Because that's a huge part of the equation. Yeah, I am. I count, uh, yeah, I'm tracking play points as well. Okay, and you count those as some number of packs.
0: Yeah, like so. If, if in a in a competitive queue, if I get the one fifty, that's just three packs. That's what I value it at essentially. But I'm still like it's probably worth it? a little
4: more than that because if you look at if you like ten tickets should be or ten play points should equate to one ticket because the entry fee on. If you pay with product and play points, it's five. five Yeah, it's it's five five tickets. Yeah,
0: I mean, that's fair. The thing is, I was also not including the two tickets from the eight fours when I was doing it before in my like plus or minus. So I was always technically losing those two tickets. Um, But yeah, that's a good point. Five is a lot more than two. So (laughs) it's impacting, but it's not, it shouldn't be impacting it at the rate that it is for me. Like it's it's a 30 pack variance for me winning more matches. Obviously, like a lot that has to do with I'm probably getting very unlucky and just like winning at the wrong time, so to speak. Like I keep making it to the point where I'm almost getting money in competitive queues. Um, but yeah, it's it's brutal. It's been it's been rough.
5: It's the two oh, oh, one.
0: Yeah, it's, it's just it feels bad every time. Well, it's really the one o. Oh, oh yeah, the one one o one, one, one. Right. Yeah. right,
5: Yeah. Yeah. That that's uh, that's savage. I think the fact that you
0: two one an intermediate queue and get two packs is is harsh. It's it's tough to. To maintain infinite when uh, you two want to draft and you're, like, down seven tickets.
5: I just want to play against my table, you know? I want to go back to playing against my table because, like, when I draft, if I see, like, like, Vince had a a pack the other day, or maybe it was today, where it was, like, Locust God versus God Pharaoh's Gift, right? And then a bunch of, like, other sweet cards. I think that, actually, if you just open this pack and seal, you have a really good chance to eat one. The pack was completely nuts. Anyways, but when you see that pack, you're like, okay, I'm going to take Locust God, but then, when I see violent impact or whatever, and it's like versus the two-one skirmisher with Bomb that I may or may not play, or like the two-four guy, the like Naga Oracle or something that I may or not play, like I'm just gonna take that that um what do they call that stupid card? It's like Shatter, right, or four-minute Shatter, right? Mm. Because then I know, like, I have an ans- I've seen this card. I have an answer to that card. As you see the cards flowing, you kind of know like where you want to be, right? Like you see a bunch of two drops. It's like okay, this this this. Particular set of draft looks like it's going to be kind of aggressive, right? Based on what was open, like you just see infinite six drops. It's like everyone's going to be slow. So, like you kind of know where you can try and position yourself better because you like have knowledge about what the metagame is, right? <laughs> In the leagues, like you can run hot and just play against people that were from like uh, weak pools, but you can also just run bad and play against people that were from lit pools, right? And like on average, I feel like it's just a variance like, increase. Yeah, and you yeah, don't want that increase, if you're trying yeah, to
0: maintain. Like, even if it's net neutral in the long run, like, sometimes you'll have the nut red-white deck and you'll play against a mirror match with awful red-white deck and sometimes you'll be on the other side of that. If you're someone who's trying to get a consistent level of play, it's just awful. Like, you just don't have that experience with leagues. And, I, and I'm actually, like, super down on leagues right now, now.
5: for constructed leagues, man, they are so good. They are so <laughs> sick. Like, they're, just, they're the best thing that's happened to construct in a long time. But for limited, I'm...
0: I miss my eight minutes. I kind
5: of hate it a little bit.
4: I wish they give a limited window of eight man's like right just before the pro tour. That's exactly. It. Exactly. Let me jam, let me jam. That.
0: Because yeah. it's not even real testing experience. No,
4: it's not. It just seems like it's so easy to give back that limited window, and it doesn't cost them anything. Like for those two weeks, is it going to cost your league engagement? Yes, absolutely. But I still think, based on how fractured the leagues are now, they'll get enough to fire some number of them. Like maybe you don't put up the competitive queue until right. yeah, the pro tour period ends. Like 400- in it, anyways, right? Yeah, like I yeah, yeah.
5: waited 20 some odd minutes to, for my third match to fire, and it's like, yeah, oh, you know, it's not like that because people are in and out more, so the number looks lower. Like, no, I don't care, like, I want
4: it, I it'd want. be so easy to bring them back and so practical. And, and again, I'm fine, it, I understand why they're gone, but you can give it to us for that small period at least, where like that testing matters to you know 400 people in the world which is the exact number of people who are in the competitive queue anyway just give them what they want don't force them to play this and then when that ends we can all go back to whatever system you want to use i don't know it seems like a real easy fix to just like get us back to where we're supposed to be
5: yeah and i'm pretty sure the people that are in the competitive league right now would probably just migrate to eight four they probably on average prefer it and i'm sure they wouldn't be so upset if they had to play intermediate for two weeks yeah. If, they're, if they're just league fanatics, right? Like they play one in a day because that's all their their spare time allots or something.
4: Yeah, th- this so. feels like a really easy fix that maybe hasn't been properly considered under... I mean, like there was... I'm sure as they were launching leagues, it's something they thought about a little bit, but they didn't know how leagues would fare, how things you know, would be populated, and I think you can say pretty safely, based on how things are going, there's enough room to bring these back and give people the experience that I think they want. I mean... I can't. I can't picture speaking to another hyper competitive player and then being like, "No, just only give me these draft. Only give me the option to do this. Like, more options are generally better, and you're not taking away from the leagues by reinstituting." So, I don't know. I, I do feel like at some point we'll probably get this back. I'm kind of shocked it's taken as long as it has, but you don't hear a lot of uproar about it. Like we talk about it every now and then. But it's ne- it's never become like the hot topic on Twitter, and you let's let's be honest about how decision making seems to happen. Yep. Basically, someone gets outraged on Twitter, everyone starts talking about it, and then we have a decision the next. Oh, should so I go it. full tilt? Is that <laughs> we're waiting? No, I mean that's how things get done. So I I think you know, there's like worries. three people who are able to start it. You need to be like Brian Kibler. He's usually <laughs> able to start a revolution. Or like, Probably if Luis Christian Calcano,
5: he seems pretty. Uh, uh, he I don't. I don't think he's like
4: a catalyst for change, really. I mean, maybe, maybe he has enough reach. But I see him yell at him, yell at once. He's he's. Yeah, he's yeah but they ignore cool. him, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> I ignore him for like a month straight. So that's um, fair. I,
5: so I, before uh, maybe Carr either asks his last question or tries to wrap us up here, since we're going long, I want to clarify one point for me, the real astute listener that was like, yeah, you heard me say, you know, we should join the nation because we're going to release some sweet videos with sweet information, and then heard vince say that he's down a million packs so <laughs>
1: okay, that fun. was from
5: that was from the beginning to now in the in the end in the last two days like things are yes. things are trending in the right direction so uh yeah in the, also, early, in the early game it was it was bad the format is not as easy as it looks um uh, it's quite quite difficult actually it's i think it's pretty sweet um but uh i think we have a good grasp on it now and i i expect it my limited rating will return to
4: 1850 in yeah. order. I also <laughs> think i a million packs, and I'll yell at Vince if he does something stupid. So you don't perfect. Have to worry about that.
0: <laughs> yeah, like that poll I tried to make. Right. Yeah. Anyway, um, no, I think the other thing too is, and this is a more like, I guess philosophical point is that um, results aren't everything, right? Like I still know, even if I'm losing a draft, that I'm improving. I don't need to win the draft to be like, oh yeah, I definitely played better this draft than the draft that I owe to. Like, you have to be able to remove the variance from the equation and look at just skill and look at um, how you're playing and how you're performing. So, um, I've definitely improved over the period of the 10 drafts or 13 drafts that I've logged. And also, that's a small sample size for drafts, too. Like, 13 drafts is not enough to be able to be like, yeah, I'm objectively bad at this format. It's time to
5: ramp that up to like 30 or 40 in the next few Oh, it's happening.
0: I love this format. That's another thing. This format's super fun to draft. It's a lot of fun. There's a lot of cool, interesting
4: archetypes.
3: The only thing that I want to say is I have been fortunate enough to have had as many hollow ones as tournaments I've entered of this format. (laughs) I currently just drafted a double hollow one deck that I'm going to play once we're done. So I just want to throw that out there. I have all the hollow ones all the time. That card is, it's fun, man. I like it.
5: I can I'm validate that what he's saying is true. I saw both hollow ones in his draft deck, and I saw a hollow
4: one in his sealed deck. Please. I, I did. Well, that's not a good thing. I know, I was about to say, I once, like, cycled
3: on turn four two cards and then played it, and I had five blind in my hand, and I was like, why did I just cycle <laughs> all the stuff? Really LAUGHTER I'm not <laughs> lying. I definitely did that. So, because it just feels so cool when you do it. Yeah, I
1: was like, hashtag value. This, is great. <laughs> this is great. But, I mean, it's... Uh, Brian, have you been grinding it? Uh, have you been prepping hard for this event?
4: Yeah, I've played a lot. Ooh, a lot. Any,
1: any any one pointer? Any one takeaway so far?
4: Hmm. That's asking a lot for a unified theory of the format that I haven't really thought out yet. Um, Jeez. No, I don't have one pointer. I'm sorry. This is a very complex, nuanced draft format. I think there's a lot to it. I think your decisions matter a lot. I think unintuitive picks um, are kind of ultra rewarded here i was talking earlier in our group about i had a draft today where pack pack three pick one uh so the first almond kit pack i picked a one three red prowess guy for my red blue deck over uh commit to memory and blue trial which is like kind of unthinkable like both those cards are absolutely awesome um but i'm 100 sure it was the correct pick like you just have you have to think you have to think about your archetype and you have to think about what you're building towards, and come up with coherent plans. But there's so many coherent plans. I had had an insane deck the other day. It was basically white-black control, splashing blue, and I played Anointed Procession, and it was awesome, um, which almost never happens. I had a Bantu, I had Overwhelming Splendor, and I had a Scarab God, um, and then like double... Um, Anointer priest and things like that. So I was just able to go off with of anointed procession and, you know, able to control the game till I hit that point. There's so many crazy archetypes you're able to get to. Um, you know, I've had great zombies decks, I've had great control decks, I've had great ramp decks. Five color green is a very real archetype. Um, you can make that work if you draft it properly. It's difficult. I, I think a lot of these archetypes have very high execution barriers and definitely will reward practice. Um, But I'm loving this format. I I wanna like call my shot, but while I am very good at draft, I am not as I mean, I think I'm good at sealed, but I just I do poorly at sealed GPs. I if I feel like if I make it to day two, I'm totally fine. Like I am confident in my ability to rattle off a six-o in any format, but I you know, have struggled in, in the sealed portion of the last, like, two or three limited PTQs. You should be good at sealed. You're good oh, at deck I, building. I think I am. I think I am. I just, like, I. <laughs> they were very early in the format. Like, I played, like, week one um, formats, and I think I had still some misevaluations at the time because I wasn't playing a lot. I tried to do it just, like, on raw instinct. Yeah, so yeah. now, hopefully, I've played a lot, and I am at a more secure place with my evaluations and kind of Understand what a successful sealed deck looks like. So hopefully, I'll have put that in the past because my draft evaluations come around a lot quicker than my sealed evaluations. I'll say that. Like, and I think there's a lot of other edges to be gained in draft that you, you know, you kind of are given what you have to work with. Whereas I could figure out an archetype very quickly how to draft it. I can't figure out how to always make the best out of whatever mishmash of cards I'm given in the sealed pool quite as quickly. Um, but I f- I'm doing really well in sealed, and I'm doing uh, excellently in in draft. So. Hopefully it pans out. I don't know. It feels good right now. So, and I still have, you know, a lot more time worth of practice. And the main thing for me is, do I enjoy the format? Because if I don't, I won't put in the time. I, I just lose interest and I'll go play Tekken or whatever else I want to do at the point in time. But I, all I want to do is play Magic right now. So, yeah. And granted, Standard is competing a little bit with that space, but uh, mostly I'm just playing limited right now. So it should be good. Ooh, were you following Evo, Brian? Yeah, I watched pretty much all of Evo. I was, you know, playing Magic on one screen and had Evo on the other screen. So. <laughs> yeah, USA still can't win a Street Fighter tournament. I don't, I don't think we ever will again. This was, like, our best shot in I don't know how many years. Uh, I don't think we won anything short of, like, maybe Injustice, which no one cares about anyway. But every major tournament, we... I guess we got Smash, if you want to count that. But, I don't know, tough time for USA fighting game players. I hope... Uh, man, I hope to see that type of hype in, in a Magic event.
1: Uh, the ending, when you show the entire arena, it's like, wow. Yeah.
4: Yeah. It's you pretty are, crazy. And you think about how much it's grown over the past few years, you know, they definitely have done a great job. Uh, and I hope I wanted to make it out this year. I couldn't quite make it work, but maybe next year I'll go.
1: Right. Um, I think that wraps it up. Oh, Doug. I think maybe Doug, this is a question for you, uh, Brian. From Doug Strong, am I wrong saying that your level of play significantly ramped up with First Strike and Game now requiring you to have as much input? First few episodes of First Strike didn't feel like you were playing.
4: Well, so it, it definitely has ramped up. I'm playing way more than I was previously. It's not really a consequence of being on the two shows. It's just that like I like magic right now, and I'm kind of an asshole. I don't do things. I'm sorry. I'm not supposed to swear. I, I'm kind of a jerk. I don't do things that I don't like doing. like I'm just stubborn like that. if I'm not enjoying it, I'm not going to put in the time. but I'm enjoying magic right now. I think it's in a really great place, and I've kind of been gushing about it how good both standard and limited are. so I'm going to going to keep playing a lot of magic. Uh, you got to strike while the iron's hot. If it gets bad again, though, I'm sure my level of play will probably dip back down. But I'm always thinking about magic. you know I, I do think you probably get more out of me when I'm playing all the time if we're being honest, but well, you take what you can get. Sometimes,
5: you know. I, don't know. I get undefeated deck lists from Brian yeah, when, he's that's true. when he's not when oh, he's not playing. Yeah,
4: I would prefer you to go back to that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that was easier. Though. All I had to do is take out a few cards, and you know, I was trying to scratch this time. It's a harder iterative process. You know, you can't you can't strike gold every time. It's fair. I'd <laughs>
1: like <laughs> you to go back to that. Okay, <laughs> being selfish, but I don't care i <laughs> uh, wrap this up by thanking our, our First Strike producer, Jonathan Good, Kyle Smirchik, Derek Pite, Adrian and Zaya Carrero, and we also want to mention our First Strike meetup, which is happening on Friday at Liberty Commons, unless it happens to be like ultra- Packed, in which case we'll update the, the event page. We'll take it, it to the, the streets if it's packed. Okay, yeah, we'll take it to the streets if it packs. Hope to see everyone there, especially people in our, our First Strike Nation. Um, we'll see. Um, Rob, Rob, Rob thought about uh, doing a few special things, for, for, especially for First Strike Nation uh, people. So maybe I'll bring a. I don't know. I heard KYT is going to cosplay as a very <laughs> famous blue tew drop. I'll just leave it at that.
5: Yeah. And if you guess what it is and you're in the Face uh, First Rag Nation Facebook group, post it and maybe you'll win a prize. It's a Dreamwalker, by the way. <laughs>
0: <laughs> post yourself doing the cosplay. You could pull that's, off Dreamwalker,
3: I'm telling you.
5: Well, I have a certain card in mind, so you can't guess Doug's card. You have to guess mine. Sorry, those <laughs> the rules of the contest.
3: <laughs> it's not that card, I'm sure. <laughs>
1: You're welcome, KYT. You're, you're good to close. Um, <laughs> and uh, while these guys are playing, I'll be doing a lot of uh, video blogging and social media, like, blasting, whether it's on Facebook, Twitter. And, uh, yeah, I'd appreciate if the listeners have any ideas on what they'd like to see me do beyond the... Because, like, Wattsy's going to do the usual deck tech of people doing well in the main event. So I'm probably going to focus more on other aspects of uh, the entire weekend where it'd be like the modern opens um, at, at the GP, the different like higher level side events and possibly uh, focus on interviewing some of the cosplayers, some of the artists. So if you guys have any specific thing you'd like to meet to see me do or talk to person. You want me to interview, let me know in the comments and uh, for Rob, Doug, Vince, Rob and, and, and me, we'll see you. Hopefully, we'll see you on Friday, Friday night. Come, come hang out with the First Strike Nation. So uh, for that we'll see we'll see you Friday, not, not not next Monday. We hope to see you Friday. Hell yeah! All Can five like, of us dressed we'll do up. That. No. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, guys.